Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey guys, I hope you're having a wonderful week. Uh, we have a little special on this one today. Gray has put together a little recording to talk about living with a dog who may not seem perfect in other people's eyes, who may have some issues such as aggression or neurological issues or some behavior issues. Um, he's going to speak a few minutes about what it's been like for him and and what that whole process has looked like. And then I'll be back after that to talk a little bit more about that same concept and about maybe your dog that you may be having some problems with as well and the things that you can do. So I hope you enjoy Gray's uh, recording here. I think it's wonderful. I think it really shows um, some real feelings and emotions and thought processes that go along with having a dog that people look at and wonder, why do you have this dog? So please welcome Gray. Hey guys, I just wanted to hop on and talk a little bit about what my experience has been raising and living with a more aggressive dog, I guess you could say, and just touching a little bit about what my experience has been on raising two dogs at the same time from puppies. Uh, my dogs are pretty close together. They're with, within a year apart. Um, and I got my first dog, Obi, my border collie, when I was in college living in Chattanooga. And I needed a dog to hike with me every morning. I used to go hike at like five in the morning before work every day. And I needed a dog to keep up with me and who had a lot of, lot of energy because I have a lot of energy or at least used to. And so Obi, I mean, he's really, really, really smart. He made me look awesome. He could do everything. He was house trained within a couple days. Like he, he was amazing. So it wasn't until I started working with Jed that I realized that toys and love aren't going to get it. That was a losing battle. This dog was really, really motivated by food and only food. And that's it. Which is fine because I can use that to my advantage. Um, but working with him was very, very, very frustrating. I was causing a lot of stress on him. It was causing stress on me. It was, a, it was just a vicious cycle. And no one wins from that. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I kind of started learning the dog speak way that stuff started turning around there and I learned more about myself than anything. Obi made me look like a good trainer. Jed made me an actually good trainer because I had to actually slow down, be patient, think about things, problem solve, change the way I'm doing things and just handle the frustration, manage the frustration. Now, I can't really do the same things with Jed that I do with Obi. I can't really 
take him hiking off on trails. Can't really take him out <laughs> into crowds. That is stressful for everybody. Um, so kind of living with Jed and just owning him, working with him has really, really kind of changed my thought process anytime I take my dog out. I'm always on alert, always looking for the next distraction or trigger in this case, which in turn honestly made me a better trainer because I'm I'm more proactive. I'm waiting for those things instead of just feeding in and reacting to him, which is the way I used to. You know, the way I was first taught with Jed is basically when he does something bad, you let him know, you, you know, he's doing that bad with the prong collar and the full on leash corrections. That was a lot of fun. Made everything terrible, 10 times worse. Um, but now I've actually seen a huge difference in his thought process. Um, I mean, now the dog next door, every time the dog barks, Jed looks at me for a treat because I've been changing his internal thought process, which it's made me extremely happy. And I can honestly say he's more of a joy now to have sometimes than Opie. And I never, ever, ever thought I'd see that in my life because I went back and forth Jed's first couple of years um, of whether I'm going to give this dog away, whether I'm going to keep this dog, whether I was cut out for any of this stuff. Um, but now, I mean, I can say it's, it's been, it's been a pleasure to have him and it's been an experience. Wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I've learned a lot. And then I have the fun part of explaining to everybody that I, as a dog trainer, have an aggressive dog, which is a lot of fun because everyone has, you know, the idea that a dog trainer has, you know, the perfect one for dogs, which is not the case. Now I will make Jed, hopefully the best perfect version of himself that he can be, but that looks different than a perfect than a perfect version of, let's say, Obi. Have I made plenty of mistakes with Jed? Absolutely. I don't think I took him being aggressive seriously enough until I actually had my first incident with a family mem member. I tried to force Jed to engage with somebody, which was the complete wrong thing to do. Um, basically forced him to say hi, which resulted in a little nip um, just broke the skin a little bit, didn't cause any serious damage, but still I'm putting not only my dog's risk, life at risk, but I'm putting a, a human's life at risk. Um, so now I will not take him anywhere unless I have a muzzle on him, which I had to take time to acclimate him to the muzzle and teach him that the muzzle is a good thing and not a terrible thing that only happens when we're around people or other dogs. So I've had to kind of change my whole way of you know, handling him and taking him out in public. And with my girlfriend having a kid, when we have, you know, she's going to get older and she's going to have friends over to the house and stuff. And she already kind of is having that. Now when I have people over, I like to put him either in a muzzle, in the crate, or on a leash. So I'm either managing or training with him. And it'll probably be like that for the rest of his life. And that's something I've had to, I've had to really cope with <laughs> and ask myself, is that something that I want, you know, is it worth it? And absolutely, in my opinion, I have no regrets keeping him. He's really, really become a great dog. Yes, he has his quirks. Yes, he has his problems, but it's nothing I can't handle, hopefully. Um, so, you know, starting off as a puppy, he was this way. <laughs> he was crazy. He wanted to attack all his litter mates. He wanted to attack every dog in daycare. 
and I've really, really had to work with him for a long time to get him better with any dogs in general. Um, but going from a crazy, stubborn, really dug in dog, I really see a huge difference in just how I've worked with him, the different methods I've used to train him. And that, you know, we always need to look for the good things is the hardest part of dog training in general, looking for the things you like and not focusing on the bad things. That's been my hardest thing I've had to change, especially coming from, you know, family who trains, you know, hunting dogs used to shot colors, prong colors, and using the infamous correction word of uh-uh. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, if there is a point, is you do the best you can with what you got. Even though Jed might not ever be able to go out in public or go hang out at a dog park or all the fun stuff that sounds really awesome for all you dog owners out there, I'm probably not going to be able to ever do that with him, and that's fine. But I can still make him the perfect dog for this family. might not be the perfect dog for someone else's family, but it will be for my family, and that's all I can ask for. But it's no joyride in the park. Stick with it. I've been there, and we'll be here if you guys need help in the future. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you're sitting back and thinking, wow, okay, I don't have to be so hard on my dog. That you're not the only one that may deal with problems. You may not be the only one dealing with, um, you know, dogs that aren't fitting in that box that we tend to put dogs in. You know, I personally have a dog that she um, she's a little neurologically off. Uh, when I got her as a puppy, um, she was my uh, search and rescue dog. She was actually in human remains detection and. She's certified at a year of age, but when I got her, I immediately started taking her to seminars, uh, immediately started taking her out and socializing, and really doing all the things that I needed to do to get her certified as soon as possible because I was losing my human remains detection dog um, to retirement. And so I spent so much time working on teaching her her discipline that I don't think I did a very good job at teaching her how to be in the real world. And I do know that there are some things that are going on with her, uh, just neurological. She had a lot of health issues growing up. Um, she had um, just some really weird things that even a puppy would have. Just It was just always something with her. And, and she's nine and a half now, but you know, she ended up having a, a, a part of her life to where she didn't care for people that came into the home unless she was, or unless they were in her circle. And you can get in her circle, and once you're in her circle, she is super sweet and super lovey. But being in that circle is very important. And to be in that circle, you have to do the right things, which most people don't. So she has a pretty small circle. But man, when you're in it, she just adores you. And a lot of people go, wow, you know, I can't believe you have a dog like that. Just like Gray was saying, people think because we're trainers, we're supposed to have these perfect dogs. Have I had the perfect dog? Absolutely. I've had that perfect dog and I will have that wonderful dog again. Not to say that, that Double D isn't a wonderful dog. She is. But she's not the dog that I can, you know, take to friends or take, you know, out to land, you know, at a cafe. Now, Granted, the one thing about hers is in public, as long as people leave her alone, she does not bother anybody. People can walk past, dogs can walk past, it's not a big deal to her. And because she's a Rottweiler, most people do stay away from her. 
So I have no problem taking her out in public. Uh, she's really a good girl, and I can keep people from interacting with her. But, you know, she's not, she's not that dog who is the outgoing, friendly, love everybody, like our new puppy, who just loves everybody and gets her feelings hurt if someone's not paying attention to her. You know, and people say, well, I can't believe you have a dog like that. You know, here's the thing, guys. We don't know what we're getting when we get puppies. You don't know what you're getting when you get puppies. Um, you know, Double D came from a long line of Rottweilers, and she was actually related to the Rottweiler I had before. I picked her out myself uh, out of a litter, and um, I had to pick up the litter. And so, you know, she tested wonderful and everything was going well, but something just switched in her. And, you know, and I, I always tell people, look, who's better to have a dog like this than a professional? Someone who knows how to handle it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sorry for my dog. I'm not sorry for who she is. I love her. Um, it took me a long time. I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to meet her where she is instead of expecting her to be where my previous Rottweiler was. Um, I had this, I had this thought process of, okay, here's my expectation. You're going to be just like Teba. And unfortunately she was not just like Teba. And it took me years being a little resentful and it took me years thinking, oh, I must not be a very good trainer. And then I realized that, you know, this is silly. Uh, dogs are dogs. Um, they have uh, genes, they are bred, they are a combination of other dogs, and there's only so much we can do. And now obviously we do everything that we can possibly do to set them up for success and give them the best life that they can have. And I say all this because what I want you to realize is that I don't want you putting your dog in a box. I don't want you putting your dog um, on some type of path to try to turn them into something they're not. I don't want you getting a dog, trying to make it like your neighbor's dog or make it like your sister's dog um, or that dog that you saw on TV running agility. I don't want you getting a dog and saying, you know, I'm going to make it just like that because you need to look at your dog and say, okay, what are the positives about my dog? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? Um, what do I want from a dog and where how can I meet the dog where the dog is to get the dog where I want it to go? And, and you may not be able to get that dog to go where you want it to go. Just like you may want an agility dog and you may even buy a border collie. But it could be that that border collie is just a really odd border collie and it has no desire for agility. Trying to make it into an agility, agility dog is, is pointless. But what you can do is say, you know what, let me look at the strengths of this dog. It doesn't like agility, so what does it like? Oh, it loves people. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll get into some therapy. Or maybe I will, um, you know, do some herding trials with it and see if the herding instinct comes out. I mean, there are different things. Or you know what? Maybe your dog is just going to be a wonderful companion that goes walking with you or hiking with you or rides to Starbucks with you. Uh, that is not a paid advertisement. Although Starbucks, if you'd like to have paid advertisement, come on. Um, but it's it's getting outside your head and, and stop trying to mold your dog into something that your dog cannot be molded into. Don't look at the dog like it's dumb or it's stupid or it's, um, you know, pointless or useless. And, you know, maybe I should get rid of this dog because it's not what I want. 
that that's going to set you up for failure if you have those thought processes. So I really want you to understand that every dog has positive um, things about them. Uh, and it might be that they're just really lovey. Uh, maybe it's that they are just really good companions. They love to watch TV with you, so they're good cuddlers. You know, you want to meet your dog where they are. Find out where that is. And then, yeah, there's probably a place that you can take them to improve upon them and improve them, but don't be trying to make them into something that they're not. Don't try to make them into the neighbor's dog or that dog you see walking around the block. Not that, <laughs> please understand, I'm not saying that please don't, you know, don't train your dog so that it's, you know, walking nicely. I do want you to train your dog. I want you to, to teach the dog everything you can possibly teach it, but I want you to understand that there may be some limitations that your dog has, and it's not the dog's fault. Um, and it's probably not even your fault. Now, sometimes you're not getting the behavior you want because your timing is off on training, and we can help you with that. Or your communication is, is broken down. We can help you with that. But we have to make sure that you're understanding that your dog is your dog. And our goal as dog trainers is to make sure that we make your dog the best version of themselves. And sometimes we don't know what that looks like the first time we meet the dog or the second time. But if you get the mindset of, okay, I'm going to make my dog the perfect version of themselves, then you're going to set yourself up for success. You're going to set yourself up for happiness and joy with this dog. And the dog is going to be much happier. It's going to be much happier when you're not disappointed every time they turn around because your dog is not like the dog you had before, the dog you had growing up as a kid, or your cousin's dog um, who can walk off leash. I will tell you that a lot of these dogs that are that good, the owners put in the work. So you have to put in the work. Your dog is just not magically going to be good. I don't care what breed you get. I don't care what line it comes from. You have to put in the work to train your dog and teach the dog. But I want you to have realistic expectations. And you know what? If you have a dog who has to wear a muzzle or is not good with strangers, you know what? Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. Let's do some work. Let's learn how to manage it. And let's make your dog the best version of himself. He can still have a fulfilling life, even though he may not like strangers or he doesn't like guests in the home or he doesn't like people to pet him in public. He can still have a very fulfilling life if you learn of you know what those things are that he needs and those things that he needs to avoid and we can help you with that we can help you uh, you know meet your dog where they are and help them to be the best version of themselves and that's really the goal um, it's we're not trying to turn that dog into anything except a better version of themselves so keep that in mind and um, and you know at the same time we're also trying to make a better version of you when we're teaching you about your dog and we're teaching you how to communicate and we're teaching you how to train, we're trying to make you a better version of you for your dog. And, um, and that's what it's all about. So I hope this has given you a little bit of encouragement to see that not all dogs are perfect. Not all uh, trainers have perfect dogs. Um, it's fun to, for me to even listen to other podcasts of other um, you know, colleagues that are struggling with one of their dogs. Um, and it's fun because the thing is, is they make us better trainers. And Gray is right. You know, when, when our dogs are not perfect or they don't respond to, 
something we've done forever, uh, thinking that it works for every dog, but our dog doesn't respond. It forces us to be better trainers. It forces us to be better communicators um, and better problem solvers. And you know what? It keeps me on my toes. So I'm okay. I have a non-perfect dog and I have a puppy who is not where she needs to be at uh, one year old. And um, I have high expectations. I'm aware of that issue of mine. Um, I have high expectations for my dogs, but uh, she's not where she needs to be, but I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm not going to let people make me feel guilty about a dog who is still hyper. Um, I get tickled every time my parents see my dog. Uh, My mother asks on a regular basis, does she ever calm down? Um, My favorite line is, maybe you should give her a Xanax. (laughs) So um, sometimes I think that too, uh, because she is very high energy. But I just know that she's a happy dog, and I will meet her where she is in order to get her where she needs to be uh, and to be the best version of herself. And I really hope that you do that with your own dog. And if you need help, we can help you. And know that we've been in the same boat that you're in. We're, you know, not everything is perfect and, and, you know, smelling of roses with our dogs all the time. We're human beings. Our dogs are canines just like yours. And we want to help you have the best relationship that you can have. So reach out to us if you need any help. Uh, find us at info at dogspeak101.com is the email. Dogspeak101.com is the website. Obviously, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, you can find all of that. Um, and we have some new videos that we've added as well. So check those out. And we're going to continue trying to, do, to uh, put those videos up. And I hope you guys are staying safe. And um, I'm looking forward to things going back to semi-normal anyway. But I will say that even though this has been a really crazy time, it's been nice to rejuvenate and um, kind of, you know, look at things freshly and, and know that there are new things that I can bring to the table and, uh, and bring new things to you guys. So I think this has been a great time for us. And I really hope that you are preparing yourself uh, to kind of, to get out there and, and renew yourself into uh, life. Um, and it seems like it's going to be kind of a new life. So um, I hope you guys are ready for that. Um, don't stop training your dogs. Uh, matter of fact, when, this, when things start to open back up, uh, you're going to have wonderful opportunities to get out and train your dogs. So no excuses. Uh, we're going to be having some our group classes. I think we'll be resuming at the farm at Natchez Trace. Uh, the third week of May. So if you're local, check that out. And of course, we're still available for private lessons as well. Uh, We love you guys. We uh, really wish you the best. We want to help each and every one of you. Uh, If you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, I am in the process of writing a new book. Uh, So since I was stuck at home some, we have been in the process of writing a new book. In the meantime, we do have books on uh, amazon.com. I would recommend When Love Isn't Enough if you have a dog who has confidence problems, fear, anxiety, phobias, or if you have a high arousal breed, uh, the four-legged Ferrari book. Uh, That's the one I would recommend for that. Uh, So anyway, I love you guys. I appreciate you very much, and I really hope to see each and every one of you soon. Have a blessed week.